If you have a Bible with you, will you turn to Mark chapter 4? The word I'm going to share with you is a hard word, but it's out of my heart. We all know that the Christian life's not a white picket fence and a wee false bubble and everything goes smoothly. Because we cut across the grain of life and we cut across in this story of the day, even the, the storms that come our way. And, and life's hard. And we need a saviour, amen. amen. So, a very well-known story. Jesus calms the storm. It's from Mark chapter 4, starting from verse 35. It's actually two stories, but it's the one large narrative. So I'm just going to read the first part. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There was also others in the boat, others, other boats with him. A furious quall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves are bearing. You've probably heard this word preached and probably even for Sunday school in your life. But I've seen things in it from my own life and, and the storms that come your way and, and how you trust Jesus in, that, in the midst of that. It's set in a time where Jesus started preaching the kingdom of God and he started preaching in parables to the locals in a language that they would understand in everyday, everyday activities they would do Jesus spoke in, in relation to that so they would understand the kingdom of God and he spoke <coughs> in the synagogues round about Capernaum and the surrounding towns in the west of the Sea of Galilee in Luke 8 verse 1921 Jesus is preaching in a synagogue and people come to the door and say your mother and brothers are outside so people knew Jesus he was brought up with these, he brought up these people would be well known to Jesus and they would come and see him and they knew his family as I said his early ministry was in the north of Judea and round about Nazareth where he grew up and this story is told in the three synoptic gospels Matthew, Mark and Luke and it, as we go on to see in another story <coughs> it, can, it confused me a wee bit because it's the same story but it's kind of a wee bit mixed up I'll explain that later but you see <coughs> first and foremost the very first sentence really this the very first time Jesus speaks in this 
in verse 35, he says this, let us go over to the other side. That's the key to the whole passage. Let us go over to the other side. Obviously a big storm comes, furious squall. I've got this picture of Jesus sleeping in the stern at the back of the boat with a wee cushion, just sleeping. And this storm's going on round about them. These trained fishermen are panicking. They know how to bring the sail down. They know how to steer the ship. But the storm's getting big. The waves are getting bigger. It's not a great big boat. All the rest of the boats are getting tossed about. And you see them struggling. <clears throat> and the failure to deal with a storm. And it comes to the point they know the storm's winning and they're not going to survive this. So they wake up the master. And they're desperate. They wake him up. Teacher, don't you care? You're lying sleeping. Don't you care? We're going to drown. Our lives are at stake. He didn't ignore them. But he just dealt with it. He didn't moan about getting woke up. He must have been in some sleep. I've shared with you before, I, I, I suffer from sleep apnea. Where I, I, I stop breathing at night and I wake up. And uh, panic attacks and stuff. To have a sleep that you could sleep through a storm. That is a dream. <laughs> so you imagine what we're like when we get woke up for a sleep or a sound sleep. Or grumpy, I'm no, I'm no Mr. Morning, do you know what I mean? Um, you're grumpy and all the rest of it. Jesus, <clears throat> he's sound asleep. He's a human being. He's God, the very God, but he's fully human. And he was sound asleep. You see, they forgot what he said at the start, didn't they? Let us go over the other side. You see, sometimes when the storm comes, God's words get. God's word in our life gets forgot about. The truth of it, the trust in him, goes, because obviously he's a storm. And the trials of our life, and we get overwhelmed. So Jesus stands up, and he tells the wind and the waves, be quiet. Be still. Instantly there's a flat calm. You see a Galilee becomes like a mirror. Storm clouds leave. Sun comes out. There's blue skies instantly. The wind and the waves are bare. And he rebukes them for their lack of faith. And I think... What he was saying to them was, did I not tell you we were going to the other side? Did I, did I miss that part? Did I not say before we got into the boat, let's go over to the other side? It didn't matter what was going to happen on the way there. He said they were going to the other side. It doesn't contradict himself, Jesus. He's going to the other side. And they'll reach their destination, no matter how bad it's going to be. And in life... It's a hard lesson to learn when the storms come your way. We need to believe that the Lord's going to take us through it. It doesn't make you avoid it. 
There is no void in the storms of life. We need to realise that we need to go through them. And it's how we deal with the storm. I've heard this preached. In the 20 odd year I've been a Christian, I've heard this preached hundreds of times. And it's the same. What do you do? Do you wake him up at the start to deal with a storm? Or do you try and deal with your own storm? To your absolute exhaustion and then you become a crisis Christian like me and you scream on him. Don't you care? I'm drowning here. Don't you care? Or do you wake him up at the start? I'm not dealing with a storm. I'm just going to trust the Lord to wake him up. Do you know something? I believe the Lord's saying, no, you should have brought a cushion. You should have brought a cushion. And get your head down at the stern along with me. And just ride out the storm. Because we're going to the other side. No matter what that storm does. And we're all going to go there. And we're all going to be intact. And we'll step onto the shore. And we've got work to do when we get there. So get your head down. Forget about the storm. In an instant he calmed the storm. Rebuked it. Be quiet. Even the storm didn't wake Jesus up. It was them that woke him up. See, that is a no-brainer, in it? If we'd really trust in what he says, we'd be able to rest in it. And rest in Jesus. And actually, in this I believe they could have got a sleep bill. Just so they're in the boat, just sleeping. Jesus says, we're going to the other side, we're going to get there. You see, I believe if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, there is no void in these storms, the storms are coming. It's how you deal with them. How you rest, how you learn to rest in Christ through the storm is the key. It leads you into places you don't want to go. Scary places. But I don't believe there's any avoidance. But he'll guide you through them. And he'll be there to calm your storm. It's how you face it. Will you rest in him? And have your faith in his words? <clears throat> or will you try and bail yourself out? I'm preaching to myself here. The crisis Christian, you scream at him in anger, don't you care? And do you know something? He rebuked them for their faith. He didn't rebuke them for their anger. Because they woke him up, don't you care? There's anger there. <coughs> didn't he rebuke them for their anger. This is, the disciples were in shock. They'd been with this man for a few years. They, they were absolutely in shock when he seen what he'd done when he rebuked the wind and the waves. You need to put yourself in that position. For a storm, a flat calm, and the sun being out, no wind. That must have been terrifying for them. Brilliant, but terrifying. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves are being. Can we look at the second narrative in this same story? It starts from chapter 5. It's about the man Legion. <clears throat> they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. 
When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs, and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to the man, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. I'm going to leave it at that. Very, very well known piece of passage. Well known story. The thing I'd looked at this and I'd looked at this and look, and then looked. There's a very similar story, but it's about two men. It's possessed. Different region. But it seems to be the same story for whatever reason. Exact same, exact same narrative. Wee bit different. Confused me a wee bit. But I'm not going to lose sleep over it. About one year do <clears throat> I gave my testimony in Lomos prison and it'd been the first time I gave my testimony in years and I was asked to go to Lomos prison and I thought, well I've never been in jail. I've don't have that much in common with these people. But I've never been a heroin addict and and God's used me to help people through that, so I thought, well I'll go and I'll share my testimony. Because it felt right. I'd stopped gaining my testimony in church for, for a long time. And uh, so I felt this was right and I went. <clears throat> and I bared my soul with these guys and I was honest with them. And, and, and I got a good response for it. But through that I was looking. I was, sat, I was praying to God and I was asking the Lord, look. I'm, I'm talking to guys who are murderers double murderers evil men what do I have in common with these men I've never been locked up in a prison cell I've never been locked up knowing they don't when there'll be a release date I've never had that experience how can I empathise with anybody in that situation God led me to this scripture <coughs> in my understanding I've got absolutely nothing in common with this man nothing what have I got in common with this man that sleeps up my tombs and cuts himself and a madman, possessed? What have I got in common with this man? Absolutely nothing. And then I meditated on him. A scary thing when you start meditating God's word. You start to come alive. It starts to become personal. And that's what I did. I started to feel the enormity of this man's pain. The torment he was going through. The utter despair. Day and night. Without any hope. Any hope of a change in a living hell on earth. 
Because this is where this man was living. How can you empathise with this one? In the tombs, chained up, snap of chains, wild man. I was thinking about tombs as a cemetery then. <clears throat> I thought of Big Donkey, Tommy. Big Donkey Donaldson. Donkey was a madman, wild, trapped in his own mind, reputation that he probably hated. But when he was drunk and he was tired and he was doing the street in Erdry, he used to go up the well wine and get into the old graveyard and get asleep because nobody had been in there and it was just, just up the back of the police station and it, and it had a big wall round about it and Donkey would get in through a gap somewhere and he would get in there and he would lie, lie in the tombs and sleep because that he, got, he knew he would get peace there because nobody came in there it was an old derelict graveyard through the church and that's where he slept and I thought about him a madman sleeping among the tombs in verse 6 it says this he saw Jesus from a distance as I said when we were at college we learned how to exegete passages and that and not to eisegete which is putting something in there it's not but you just take out for the leave the passage in its right context and bring out the truth of the word from that rather than put things in which happens I've brought up my charismatic church I've seen it happening all the time people putting things into the word that don't belong there and making it something different I'm not going to do that today but I'm going to tie it back into scripture what I meditated on and what God showed me can be tied back into the scripture own events that's happening he saw Jesus for a distance where did he see Jesus for a distance the man slept in the tombs he slept in the tombs up in the hill that's where he was and that's where he saw Jesus for a distance we try something different when I meditated on this I shut my eyes I cut out all the distractions and sometimes we're at church we get distracted I can distract you I move my hands about I can distract people if you want and feel comfortable I'd like you to shut your eyes because I want you to see this man I want you to picture yourself sitting next to this man and what this man saw through his eyes in the scripture here if you want to do that if you're comfortable that's fine picture yourself sitting with this tormented soul every day he gave up every day people were terrified of him he lived in the caves everybody's gave up on him they're terrified of him and all he craves is love acceptance and most of all and most of all peace from this living nightmare be with him as he sits among the tombs high on the hill see the rain running down his hair on his face his face all screwed up and through half shut eyes trying to make out the small shape which must be a boat in the distance he sees the boat getting buffeted about with the waves like, tossed about like a toy in a bath 
Does he care about the life that may die today? His pain's too overwhelming to even think about caring for others. Nobody knows the pain he's going through. People represent his tormentors who chain him up and hurt him physically. I have no idea of the rejection he feels, the isolation, the loneliness. He's become a victim of his own self-loathing. He hates himself as he does everybody else. He cuts himself just to release the pain in his tormented mind and just to feel something, anything. In his despair, he screamed in a God. A God that is long he has long disbelieved in and has long forgotten him. There is no hope for Legion. No hope. Somebody else is having a bad day for a change. Just when he thinks the boat is about to capsize, he then sees this small figure stand up, raise his hand, and suddenly the clouds break, the rain stops, and the lake is flat calm. sees a rapid eye movement as his mind tries to quickly process what's just happened. He even doubts that it did happen. For years he's probably prayed in vain for an end to his torment and trying to end it himself unsuccessfully at times. Praying to a God that long forgotten. You can open your eyes. That's what the man sees for the hell and his torment. Then the moment of clarity comes. What you just witnessed. And it hits him like a bolt of lightning. <clears throat> the truth hits him like a bolt of lightning. And suddenly for the first time in his life everything becomes clear. For the first time in his life he feels hope. Hope starts to rise within him. And that small figure in the distance, that wee figure that stood up, put his hand up, and created a flat cam, that if this man in the boat could do this, then he is the only man <coughs> on the planet that can help him in his situation. The man that calmed the wind and the waves is the only man that can calm the storm and the torment in him. And he runs. Can you see him turn down the hill? Hope's built up in him. He's pumped up with adrenaline. He's running as if his life depended on it. To catch the part of the shore where this boat's going to come in. To get a hold of this man that calmed the wind and the waves. He's pumped up with adrenaline. He needs to be where this boat lands. They come and they go and they, 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 this man's been neglected all his life and rejected. They come and they go and they leave him food. They come and they go. He needs to meet this man. He needs to be there when, he's, when he arrives. You see him turned down the hill, stumbling probably hurting himself, bouncing, getting back up, running, running. Daren't he scream within himself with excitement the new life they might have. 
if he just meets this man thinking with clarity of assurance now that he's going to be healed if he can just get to the man before he leaves just as everybody else has left him he runs along the beach and he falls at the feet of Jesus as he steps out of the boat <clears throat> he's seen that calm he's seen the sailors having to put the oars back into the water because there was no wind to get that boat to the shore and they had to start rowing give this man a bit of time to get there because it says when, he, when Jesus stepped to the boat this man was waiting on him it may be my imagination but I believe that's what happened the scripture tells you he was waiting on him when he got off the boat and we know that the man's demon possessed all the demons know who Jesus is and they don't want tortured this was a day we know the ending the Lord has compassion on him and he's heard his cries for years the Lord's heard this man's cries this was his day a deliverance now he had come across the lake just for him let us go over to the other side there's a madman there that needs peace of mind he needs me this was the reason of the journey this was the day of deliverance a day that legion had given up on a long time ago but God hadn't forgiven up God hadn't given up <clears throat> legion is now dressed in his right mind which scares the life out of people that knew I met a guy last week I was standing with Big Bruce Donaldson at the bus stop that's Big Donkey's nephew and I got talking to a guy that went to school with, Donkey, uh, with Bruce and I got blood on him and Bruce jumped in the bus and uh, he mentioned Big Donkey and I went what was that, that madman? his uncle he went aye he was a head case and I went aye before he was a Christian and the guy couldn't, the guy, I know the guy wasn't a Christian. And he went, are you right, son? Before he was a Christian. What a change in that man's life. It scared a lot of people. It troubled a lot of people when Big Donkey got saved. We weren't, we weren't sure whether he was, he was the real deal. I reckon when he started getting a lot of abuse after him, they knew he was a Christian. Because they were terrified of him. When he walked into a pub, they would hide under tables. They were absolutely, they'd empty pubs. He's a madman. But when he started getting abuse after him and slagged him, he must have been buzzing because he knew he was a Christian then. They were safe to call him whatever they wanted because he knew he wouldn't react. That was his witness. And this man, they were terrified of Jesus because they knew it was Jesus that healed this man. And they wanted rid of him. They wanted him away. This is something that they didn't recognise, they, they, they didn't understand, and they were scared of it. And you know, when somebody comes to like a dramatic conversion like this, it troubles people. And they're not sure yet. They can handle religion. Religion's not a problem. Because you can put religion in a box, but you can't put Jesus in a box. 
when you follow the man that calms the wind and the waves you can't put him in a box Jesus isn't a religion he's God God the very God he's a God of miracles and he does it the day he still changes people's lives and he still confuses the masses and he still terrifies them and they don't want him There's a lot of demon-possessed people out there. They don't want Jesus to get away from us. They don't want to hear. And uh, this man wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go back to your own people. Because you'd be a better witness there. And that's what harms. <clears throat> the people reject Jesus, but the man testified to the Lord's work in his life, in his own region. And many believe in Jesus through his witness. Amen. Why am I preaching this this morning? Because some of you identify with this man. You may have identified him before you were a Christian. <clears throat> Shockingly, I'm testifying to this as a Christian. But I can identify with this man as a Christian. You know, when you have these dark nights of the soul and and <clears throat> you struggle in your walk and you you really have times of testing in your faith. I, as a young Christian, I was embarrassed to be like that because I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have these struggles. Do you know some? It's religion. It's rubbish, and it's pride. I'm 20 odd year a Christian and I'm telling you I can identify with this man and his feelings and he's feeling a loneliness and rejection he's feeling I've been in a dark, dark place that he can't get out of being in a pit <clears throat> the Psalms say it's a miry, a pit of miry clay <coughs> if you know what clay is it's slidey, it's slippy and when you try to get out of this pit you just slide into it I felt as though I'd been in quicksand. You ever seen the Tarzan movies when they, they're running through the bushes and suddenly they're in the, in the quicksand? And some dead calm person says, you know, don't move about because the more you move, the quicker you start. I think anybody that's in quicksand is going to panic and try and get out of it. But that's what happens. The quicker you move, the more, the more movement, the quicker you sink. And that to me is the miry clay. The more you struggle, the more you try to deal with the storms in your life, the, the more you start to sink. <clears throat> My circumstances, and even the day, to the day, has shook my faith to the core. I've, at times, or most of the time, I feel, and it's only feelings. I don't go with my feelings, but when you're in it, you feel as though you're praying to a brass ceiling. Well, Legion, I pray that I think if you're in desperate need, you're screaming a God you don't even believe in, which I did. And I now know he's real. I now know he's real, and I've prayed to him, and I feel as though I'm hitting a brass ceiling. He's either sleeping or ignoring me or whatever, my circumstances no changing. <clears throat> but Legion, can you identify with him? Have you been in that dark place? 
See, most people just go on and, you know, Christians and they seem to be going on fine. Well, God love you and God bless you and all the rest of it, but um, the white picket fence doesn't exist if you follow Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying if you're at peace and you're, you're, your life's all right, then I, I'm, I'm blessed for you. But I don't believe you can avoid these times. And it's through these times in the valley that your faith just gets built on that rock again. Or just to say, hold on a minute, he said we're going to the other side. Why am I getting upset? Why am I caring about the storm? No, I'm just going to trust what he says if he says we're going to the other side. And getting that trust again back in him. And get rid of the sin in our life that's choking us to death. See, I've <clears throat> I've felt like the worst husband in the world. I've felt like the worst father in the world, the worst provider, thinking I was doing, I'm trying to do my best and I'm trying to do this and that, and nothing works out. And I've felt that. It doesn't help when you can't get asleep at night and you're on a bus couch most of the time and you're a nippy sweaty in the house and <clears throat> you just don't feel right. That's been like that for years, for about two or three years now. Have I been angry at God? I have been angry at God. All my mates backslid, <coughs> and I've tried to hold in. And I thought, you know, a million times I've thought about throwing the towel in as well. But where can I go? Is what are eternal? And whatever I have to deal with is mine. A lot of people are worse off than me. But he still got angry and I've been angry with God. And I've asked him why this and why that. <clears throat> Don't you care? You hear the disciples. Don't you care? We're going to die here. We're drowning. Don't you care? Do you know he never rebuked them for that? He never rebuked them for their anger. You can get angry with God. God can handle it. He's got big shoulders. He can handle it. And I've been angry with God. And I've thought about going back to the fishing. Like Peter, feeling so out of God's will and ashamed to even be identified with him. Same as Peter. In a dark place, struggling, stumbling about in the dark. Not wanting to read my Bible. Not wanting to pray. You've been there. I've been there. Got to a point I could only pray one prayer. Jesus Christ. Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's it. That's all I could, I could utter through my lips. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But you know something? When you think all is lost and everything, it's, you can't get out of this pit and everything's sliding beneath you. And I mean everything. Because it affects everything in your life. It affects your marriage. It affects your relationship with your kids. It affects everything. And you think you'd be better off not being there. You're a hindrance to people. You're total despair and you feel lost without any hope. And that's sadly had been my life recently. But then you turn to the scriptures. Because in the scriptures of the truth, know how you feel. 
know your circumstances, know the storm, know nothing. It's in the scriptures. But sometimes if you're like me, you're a crisis Christian, then you just say, God help me. I need to hear for you. How can I hear for you? You need to pick the Bible up and you need to read it. And then bang, you hear for God. You hear a word from him. And suddenly, whether it's a rebuke, or whether it's a word of comfort, or whether you read the Psalms and you hear people with David screaming in God, the mess he get himself into, and when he get himself out of it, he's always desperate, and he screams in God, read the Psalms, lamentations, people I can identify with in the Scriptures, and my circumstances, 2015 and 16. He took me to a miry clay pit and he set my feet upon a rock. A solid place. This man was in a miry, play, a miry clay pit and suddenly Jesus puts him on a rock. A solid place. A foundation he could build his life on. He gave him hope. And that's what God gives his hope. When that hope comes in, you can handle anything. The scriptures, <clears throat> as I said about the storms of life, one of the scriptures that God kept me and held me was this. Peter, there's a bit in the scriptures that says this. Jesus speaks to Simon he says Simon behold Satan has demanded to have you and he was probably talking to them all the rest of them that he might sift you as wheat but I have paid for you Simon that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back strengthen the brothers he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter was in the zone. He was full of the Lord. He was buzzing. He was going to go to prison. He was going to die. The Lord knew he was going to deny him. And he was speaking into that. I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you'll, de you'll have denied me three times that you even know me. contemporary English version says Simon listen to me Satan has demanded the right to, to test each one of you as a farmer does when he separates the wheat from the husks but Simon put your own name in there Jimmy I've prayed for you that's the only thing that kept me going I've prayed for you and when you return that your faith doesn't weaken and when you return strengthen the brothers When you come back to me, help the others. When you have learned in the valley, teach others how to survive the valley. Teach others, encourage them when they're in the valley, that I'm in there with them. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him three times, and Peter would have this dark night of the soul, having denied the Saviour three times, and then backslide and go back to his fishing business. 
turn to his old ways. Go back to fishing for fish, steady for men. Jesus asked him to do. To walk into his own will again and out of God's will. Back into survival mode. Without God. Without trusting in God. But he did return. And he did strengthen the brothers. And he became the leader of the sheep. The shepherd of the sheep is at Jerusalem. God knew what he was doing. And he knew how Peter would feel. And God knows how we feel. In that valley. One day I'll bring you a cheery happy message. But I want to give you courage and hope. Hope isn't just a word. When you speak life into somebody, you see hope spark in them. 